Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, it is with awesome reverence that we bow the knee before you this evening. Even as we come boldly in Christ alone and we cry out, Abba, Father, yet in that same breath we recognize that we are coming before the God of heaven, the one, the only true God, almighty Father. And so we come boldly, and yet we come in humility. We come in reverence and worship. As we bow the knee and we lift high your name. And Heavenly Father, we pray that it would be your name that is lifted up this evening. As we turn our attention to this well-known passage here in Deuteronomy 6, that we would see you high and lifted up, that we would be left in awe only to respond by living a life in response to all that you've done for us in Christ. Heavenly Father, do an awesome work among us this evening through your word that you may be lifted high. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, on Sunday evenings, we're working our way through a series that our interns put together for us, a series on unity, unity. And they based it on Ephesians 4. I, therefore, prisoner of the Lord. This is Paul speaking, having written through the first three chapters of Ephesians, putting down this glorious doctrine of all that we are and have in Christ. We've been brought from dead to life. We've been brought from outside to inside. So therefore, based on all this, I, prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, walk worthy of the calling which, with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Don't overlook the connection that we saw this evening even in First Peter. What does it look like to live in light of this doctrine, to live in light of the word of God, of all that God has given us in Christ? What does that look like? Practically, what we see here in Ephesians, what we've seen also in 1 Peter, and what we'll see even this evening in Deuteronomy, is it looks like love. Love for God and love for others. Bearing with one another in love. Endeavoring. Again, that idea we looked at this morning. Fighting for straining after, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. How is it that we have this unity? As the passage goes on, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And over the last several weeks, we've walked through each one of those. These truths that call us as one body into unity. The fact that there is one body. The fact that there is one spirit. 
The fact that we have one hope, that there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And this evening we come to the reality that there is one God and Father of all. There is one God. And it's with that that we turn our attention to Deuteronomy chapter 6. See, the world would tell us that there is not one God. The world would tell us that there are many gods, or there's many ways to God, and it really doesn't matter in the end. Yeah, brothers and sisters, that is not the testimony of Scripture. There is one God, and there is one way to him through Jesus Christ. Unless you question if there is one God, it is stated very plainly in Scripture. From the very beginning of Genesis 1, his existence is assumed in the beginning God created. And as Scripture goes on, we come to know who this God is more and more. Then we come to Deuteronomy 6, well-known passage. In fact, in Judaism, it's called the Shema. It's repeated every night and every, every morning and every night by the Jewish people. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He is one. Deuteronomy is an interesting book. See, Deuteronomy begins, you'll note right at the beginning of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy begins at the very end of 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. The children of Israel have been wandering in the wandering around the wilderness. They failed to trust God. They failed to enter the land. And so while this generation dies off, a new generation has risen up. And Deuteronomy begins at the end of those 40 years as the people gather. They are getting ready to enter the land. And Deuteronomy is a collection of speeches by Moses to this new generation reminding them of who God is, of all that he has done, preparing them to enter the land, and imploring them to be faithful, unlike the generation before them. It's in his second speech that we come here to Deuteronomy 6. And there's really just two points to my message this evening. I know it's been a long day. We've had installation services and we've had or we haven't but uh, Andrew had installation service and then we had a shower here today uh, so I'm, I'm not going to go very long but we have two points this evening the first is a call to know God in Deuteronomy 6 4 know who God is in fact verse 4 here call begins with a call to listen carefully hear O Israel Moses is calling out to the people in front of him, hear me. In fact, that idea of hear, that's where the word Shema comes from. Hear, to hear. And it's more than just listening. It is to listen with the intent to obey. It's an invitation to respond. Hear what I am saying and then respond to it. Live in light of it. So hear, O Israel. What is it, Moses? What is it that you want us to hear and respond to? It is this simple fact. The Lord, our God. The Lord is one. 
This is a definitive monotheistic statement. It is a definitive statement on the uniqueness of God. There is one God. There is no other. What comfort this must have been for the children of Israel. After 40 years of wandering through the wilderness, this is a generation that did not see the works that God had done in Egypt. They heard about it, and yet they've seen the faithfulness of those, faithlessness of those before them. And now they are preparing to go into a land, a strange land, who worship strange gods. And yet here we find the reminder. It doesn't matter who they worship because your God is the only real true God. The Lord, our God, our God, he is the one, the only God. What comfort and security in that thought that there is one God and you, Israel, are his people. There's no hierarchy of gods. There's no competition. There's no fear that your God may be overcome. There was one God. It is God Almighty. He is the God who called Abraham. He is the God who has led you out of Egypt, who has called you out from among the peoples. He is the God who is leading you into this land. You can see why they would repeat this, and still to this day, repeat this every morning and every night. What encouragement, what hope, what comfort in the fact that there is one God, and he is our God. Verse 5 goes on. This is my second point, verses 5 to 9. Know who God is. There is one God. And the verses 5 to 9 is love God. Love God. Know who he is and respond, even as that first phrase, hear, O Israel. Know him and respond to him. You see, the fact that there is one God frees you to love that one God with everything that you have. There is no spreading your love around to different gods. There's no fear of loving the wrong God or overlooking a God because there is one God and he is your God and he calls you to respond in love. Because there is one God and he is your God, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your strength. You shall love him. The idea of love there, it's more than just a fuzzy feeling. Fuzzy feelings come and go. But this is a choice, it is a commitment, it is a wholehearted devotion to God. There is one God and you should be wholeheartedly devoted to Him. He deserves all of your love. So be devoted to him with your whole heart, with your soul, and with your strength. Love him fully, completely, solely, and wholeheartedly. Love him with everything. There is no aspect of your life that is not influenced or touched by your love for God. 
the way that you manage your finances is influenced by your love for God. The way that you take care of your body should be influenced by the fact that there is one God and He is yours and you love Him. Your entertainment, your vocation, your family, everything in life to the smallest detail Influenced and controlled by the fact that there is one God and you love him fully. Your love for God impacts everything. In fact, that's what you see as you then go on to verses 6 to 9. I thought about adding a third point here. In verses 6 to 9, not just to love God, but to proclaim God. But the reality is that that proclamation of God falls underneath your love for God. It is because you love him that you do these things. These words which I have commanded you, Moses goes on. And this includes everything that's contained in Moses' speech. Not just this speech, but his first speech and the ones to follow. Everything that I tell you. Essentially, which could be boiled down to verses 4 and 5. Even as we see Jesus in the New Testament interacting with a young lawyer in Matthew 24, 34 to 40, boils it down to the great commandment, love the Lord your God, and the second unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. All of these things which I command you could be boiled down to there is one God, love him. But these commandments shall be in your heart. This is more than mere outward conformity. I'm not looking just for you to go through the motions. The fact that there is one almighty God and that he has called you. The fact that you are responding in love should flow from your heart, from the inside out. You know what he commands. You accept them. You, can, you, can, you cannot do the rest of this if you don't know. You can't teach. You can't tie all of these things into your life if you don't know what he's commanded you to begin with. Know them and let them sink deep into your hearts to the core of who you are, so that it then flows out in your actions. Did we not even see that this morning as we looked at First Peter? This very same idea, maybe the Lord's trying to get our attention, the idea of unity seems to be coming up, not only on Sunday nights in our series, but Sunday morning in First Peter. But your actions must flow from who you are in Christ. Must flow from the gospel itself. It should be in your heart. Your innermost being. So that they come out, verse 7, teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Pass these truths on. 
do the hard work of discipleship in your home. Let me pause here and ask this. What does it look like to teach something diligently to your children? To the next generation? What does it look like to teach it diligently? I can tell you this, it looks like a lot more than just leaving your child's biblical education to the church or the school. It looks like active, regular teaching in the home. Not just teaching, but modeling. You should be having family devotions. Hopefully you are. And I will be the first to admit that they're not easy. I'm the first to admit that I am not regular. I I want to be regular when it comes to doing family devotions. But life's hard. Things get in the way. And then I fall under conviction again. I start again. I may never stop falling under conviction. We must be doing the hard work of discipleship in the home. And it's not just family devotions, but even as this passage goes on. It's just talking about them every time. When you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, it is is who God is and what he commands and expects. It is his word that flows out of you. Different sports teams have the silly saying, you know, say it's uh, the Hawkeyes. You know, if, if you, you cut me, I bleed black and yellow. Brothers and sisters, if someone cuts you, you should bleed the word of God. That should be what is flowing out of you. When you sit down, when you walk, when you lie down, when you rise up every moment of every day, it is the truth of the word of God that should be you should be mulling over in your head. When situations rise up, that is what should be coming out of your mouth. Modeling biblical application in little situations. This is a constant topic of conversation of meditation. In fact, I want to pause here and ask another question. If you were to be judged on the content of your conversation, what would your friends and family say that you love with all your heart? What is it that you do talk about when you sit in your house or when you walk by the way or when you lie down or when you rise up? That's a good clue to what you love with all your heart. An even more convicting question, would they even know that you're a Christian? Verse 8 goes on, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates.
Priests and main Jews took this literally with phylacteries that they would wear. But the idea here is really just in everything you do. Everything you do, everything you see, everything you say should first be sifted through what God says based on your love for God. It's not just that you have the word of God, you know, and a little bracelet on your arm. Now you can go do what you want. The idea is everything you do should go through the prism of the word of God. Let that guide your actions. Let that guide your mouth. Let that guide your eyes. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The idea here is of of homes and communities that are founded on God's word. And I would submit to you that the idea behind all of these commands and ideas here is not ritual, rather it is response. All of this ties back to verses 4 and 5, that God is one, therefore we should love him wholly. It's responding to who God is. Now you may say, all right, I see that, and some of those questions, you know, a little bit convicting. But going back to verse 4, he says here, O Israel, we're not Israel, we're the church. So what application does this have for me? Well, I would draw your attention back to Ephesians 4. What is it that unifies us in the church? It is that we have one God. Who is this one God? Well, if you back up to Ephesians 2 and Ephesians 3, we see that this one God in the hope that we have in Christ is the same God of Deuteronomy. The God of Israel is the same God of the church because there is one God. And because there is one God, we should respond to him in love in this way. Not through ritual, not keeping a law that has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ, but in response to who God's what who God is and what He has done for us in Christ. Just because this was written and said to Israel does not change the fact that there is one God. And that we should therefore love that one God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. So the big idea of the message this evening is this, that what brings us together, it's not faith in a God. There's lots of people who have faith in a God. That doesn't bring unity. It's not faith in a God. It is faith in the one true God. God Almighty God, creator, God of the angel armies. God, who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There is one God. 
I think I would be remiss this evening to not ask this question. Do you know him? What God are you trusting in this evening? There is one God that gives us unity as a church. But do you know, have you ever placed your faith in Christ alone for salvation? Recognizing that you are a sinner and your sins separate you from this one holy God. And yet even when you were still a sinner, separated from God, who could have justly condemned you, he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins. There is one God and there is one way of salvation. Through Jesus Christ our Lord who said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father, that is God, but through me. If you've never placed your faith in Christ alone, if you've never repented of your sins, then I would call you even this evening as we close our service in just a second by singing, Oh Great God. Even tonight, won't you respond in faith to this one almighty creator, Savior God?